We have been going through this deeper series. We're in 1 John chapter 2. And obviously, uh, as you go through this book, there's nothing superficial. There's nothing, uh, if you say, surfacy about John. You know, John is this old pastor who's basically just talking it straight. And so he's speaking to us and you and me today as it is maybe 2,000 years later, but here we have this opportunity where we look into this word and these words can resonate with our hearts. And as we've gone through this in the last couple of weeks, you know that, hey, I don't want to love the world or the things in the world. And then last week we were talking about, wow, this, this is, there's a lot of people that are trying to deceive and the Lord is going to be coming back. It could be the last days. And, and so there's this challenge. And so his encouragement is really, truly, I believe through this entire book, is for you and I to lead what I consider to be a really full life in Jesus Christ. You know, that we would lead a life that is totally different, that is maybe something that you you only possibly thought could happen with the Apostle Paul or something like that. You know, you read the Bible and you see how these guys sort of live it out and you think, oh, I'll never be able to live like that because I've got this happening in my life or I've got that happening. But I believe and I hope you believe that even though the enemy, he comes to steal, kill and destroy, that Jesus comes to give you life and life to the full. And so we hold on to that promise knowing that he's coming to give you life. And the question is, do we grab on to everything that he has for us? And are we willing to say, I'm going to lead this victorious life in Christ. And I'm not going to just let the enemy rip me off or let this world sort of pollute my mind in a way where I'm not going to be everything that maybe the Lord would want me to be. And I really think there is nothing better than living a real full spiritual life. You know, like yesterday at the A21 walk, it was one of those times where I, it's like a win. You know, if, if you're playing a sport, it, you know, when you win, there's nothing like winning. You know, let's be honest. Not Charlie Sheen winning, but I mean, just winning, you know. And so uh, we're just, we're, we, we like to win. And, and so when you win a game, when you win a, a sports game, it's great. But I felt like yesterday, just as I saw the 150 people and you see the, you know, just the the presence of unity that's there, and it's amongst different people in different churches of different places. We have people from West Palm Beach all the way down to you know South Miami, all coming together and uh, being a part of something to raise awareness. And when you walk uh, for human trafficking, and when you walk away from that, you go, man, that was such a win. You know, it was so good for not only the body of Christ, but the church itself, the cross, for the people that were there. And you can walk away going, wow, okay. And then as well, you know, it could be in your life, maybe you uh, went on a missions trip. You know, my niece was just in Greece. And so she's just coming back, literally yesterday, coming back from Greece and had a missions trip over there. And she was ministering to refugees. So now here's a 20-something that is taken out of her world and is put in the middle of Greece. And all the things we see on the news about refugees being swarming in, she's now ministering to them right where they're at. That's a win. That's like, how would you ever even do that unless you love Jesus and he empowers you in your life and now you say, hey, I'm going to get outside my world and I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to go ahead and do something for him. And so she finds herself as a 20-something saying, let me go ahead and take care of these refugees who are coming from all different parts of the world. But it won't happen unless you really are dialed in and you want that win. At the same time, I think 
You know, it could be you go through a temptation. You know, you get tempted by something. And I'm not talking about like dark chocolate cake, like the really nice one, but um, even though that would be a good one. Um, but you're tempted by something and you say, you know what? I'm going to make the right choice. And man, there's no better feeling, isn't it? When you say, hey, I didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, even if it is the dark chocolate cake, you could, say, <laughs> you could say, hey, you know, I didn't eat it. It was great. You know, you tell your wife, she's probably harping on you like, yeah, you don't need to be eating that dark chocolate cake. I'm going to tell you right now. But, you know, if it is that sin and it's something you struggle with and you said, yeah, you know what? I had victory in that. Man, there's nothing better. That's a win. And there's nothing better than those wins. But here's the common denominator amongst all those, whether it's a sporting game or whether it's, you know, uh, a missions trip or whether it's the A21 outreach or any other outreach or a temptation. The common denominator is, guess what? You go to bed, you wake up, and it's a new day. And now you start all over again. You see, now we're, we're back into, okay, what about today? What, what am I going to do today? What is happening today? Because although it is awesome to talk of his wondrous works, and I love to do that, and we want to reflect on what God has done, but I don't want to live in what I have done. I want to keep living for what I am doing. And so we need to keep on, wow, my, my walk with Christ has to be one where it's not just based on what I've done in the past, but it's got to be based on what does God want me to do today and tomorrow and in the future, and where am I at today, this day? Like, what would he want me to do this day so that I can fulfill in that full life? I want that full life today. You know, I, I think that there is an opportunity for us and outreach or, or events or whatever it may be. You know, you may have shared your testimony with somebody or whatever, and that's a win, you feel good. But then we don't want to just rest on that. We want to keep on moving forward. And so my heart is we would live this full life, and I believe that's John's heart, as he wants us to live this victorious life and this victorious Christian life. And so in this book of First John, he kind of gives us this theme, uh, in this section of abiding in Christ, abiding. And I know that's not a word and so uh, that we often use, you know, it means to live or dwell. And so, you know, you don't go up to somebody and say, oh, hello, where do you abide? You know, we just don't do that. Come, abideth with me. <laughs> we don't, that's not our deal. No, we, we say, hey man, where are you living? Where you live? You know, so today, instead of calling it deeper abiding, I called it deeper living. So you can kind of package it to your world. Because if I live in Christ, as Paul said, to die is gain. You know, Paul was radical. You could say, uh, oh man, he was so sold out for Jesus. Yeah, but why, why can't we be? You know, to live is Christ, for him to live is Christ, to die is gain. So that means like my world is not just, it's not that, oh, I don't do other things and I'm not approaching other people, but for me to live as Christ. In other words, I'm going to let him be the Lord of my life. I'm going to let him control those things and lead me and guide me and I'm going to pray to him and I'm going to obey him, but I'm going to, I'm going to live in him. And when I live in him, what will happen is he, he will change how my perspective is. He will change my viewpoint. He will change how I treat people. He will change how I love people. He will change how you and I actually interact because I am living in him. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to now keep living, loving on the sinner or keep doing my job. It's not that I'm sitting at home just reading the Bible and all I do is listen to, you know, music and I watch TBN or something like that. No, no, no. I still want to live the full life and I believe God wants us to get outside the house to do that. 
And so we get outside the house and we say, all right, God, here I am. I want to live that. I want to go deeper. And so that's where John, he writes this, and we pick it up in 1 John chapter 2, to verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And here's a pastor's, every pastor's least favorite verse. And you don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing, and I'll explain that later, teaches you concerning all things. Some of you are going, see, I told you we didn't need to be at this church. We don't need him. <laughs> so, But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him and now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming if you know that he's righteous you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him yeah it's that abiding and we're going to pray and ask God to just help us to understand and I called this message deeper living because that abiding is living and really when you have deeper living it produces some incredible deeper relationship that you and I can have with Christ that we would have this victorious life this full life and that's what I want for me I want it for us and I believe that's what John wants too so let's pray father we thank you so much for your word thank you God that Lord we have this at our disposal that we could open it up at any moment any time of the day and we could hear your voice so God forgive us in the times when we don't when we don't seek you first. And maybe, maybe somebody's here today or they're listening and they're saying, yeah, I don't really live in Christ. But Lord, take that legalism of condemnation out of their head and help them to hear what you want to speak of just refocusing, restructuring and just saying, yeah, I want to go a little deeper in where I abide, where I live. And so, God, I pray that you would anoint this time by the power of your spirit, that no word that is said would be even my own, but it would be your, your heart that speaks and that, Lord, it would be something that you want to say to each person here. And God, help me to get out of the way, help you to be empowered and, and Lord, empower me, but Lord, you to be blessed. And God, at the same time, for you to speak to every person that's here. So, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. And we pray your blessing on this time. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, this, this last Saturday, as I mentioned earlier, would have been my wife and I's 23rd anniversary, you know, because so, so she went to heaven a year ago. So we were married 22 years. So Saturday was really cool. The A21 a walk happened to be falling on that. I mean, yeah, we can cheer that. Sure. Why not? Uh, yeah. So we were, we were really, you know, I was really blessed that we were able to do it. It just felt like God just arranged it. And then when I saw the rainbow on the cross, I knew, you know, God <laughs> arranged it. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, that was cool. But, you know, the thing is, uh, Ash and I had an incredible love. We had layers of love. We had an incredible love relationship in our marriage. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, as you grow in that and as you build a marriage, man, it's part of you get to know one another. And that's the cool thing about marriage. You really get to know one another. 
You, you, I know, those of you who are married here today, you know that person so well. You know their, their deep thoughts sometimes. You know what they're thinking, and you often finish their sentences. Um, you know what they like to eat or what they don't like to eat. And so for us, we had all sorts of things. Ash knew me really well. And, uh, but in the beginning of our marriage, she didn't know one thing, that I was not a tucker. A tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R. Be careful of that on the internet. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not a tucker. What are you talking about? Well, you see, Ash used to like to tuck the sheets. You know, like you make the bed, but then you tuck like the top sheet. So she would tuck the top sheet, you know. I'm not a tucker, okay? I am not that at all. And so I, we'd be in and I'd be like, what is going on? I feel like I'm in a cocoon right now, you know? What is happening here, you know? And she's all cozy and comfortable over there like, oh, this is so good. I'm in a cocoon. And I'm like kicking and I'm scratching and I'm trying to kick up the sheets. And finally, you know, she's like, what is going on with the sheets, love, you know? I'm like, babe. I'm not a tucker. I'll never be a tucker. I never was a tucker. I, I don't want to have my sheets tucked, please, okay? <laughs> but we figured that out, and we had a good laugh about it. And of course, that was just part of one thing that we knew deeply about one another because we spent time together, and obviously you start communicating about those things, and you realize, okay, well, that's, that's how I can get to know somebody. In the same way, God knows you and me so well. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. He knows what's going on everywhere. And the the deal is, do I really want to live in him to get to know him better? You know, am I at that place where I'm saying, yeah, I want to live in you, Lord. I want to live in a way where you are, you are, everything to me. You know, in this society today, we live in a lot of different things. You may live in your job. You may live to make money. You may live to be famous. You may live to have everything you got. You know, you may live in your iPhone, you know. And I just read an article. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's this study that came out in Australia, and they were saying that, uh, in fact, they did a study of a skeletal structure, and the skeletal structure was starting to change of people that were on their iPhones a lot, or their, their smartphones. And what was happening was, it was beginning to curve. So they saw actually a structural change within this, because they're starting, and so now they're starting to be hunchbacks. Some of you are going like this, I am not, I'm going to start, you know, you start looking at your phone like this now, right? It's like you, you walk around, looks like you're taking a selfie all the time, right? But yeah, that, that is, they did this study because so many people are into, well, I'm texting or I'm looking or I'm doing, think about it, how much time you spend doing this because you're bent over. Now I'm hoping that maybe they do a new study and it'll be, they'll come out and it'll call, it'll be you know, they'll realize that, in fact, it's not just the bone structure, but uh, they call it the selfie face problem, where, in fact, your face will get stuck with those duck lips that people do all the time. <laughs> I'm hoping that will come out, like, and everybody will be freaked out, like, don't do the duck lip face. You're going to be basically looking like a duck the rest of your life. I still can't figure out why people do that. I'm not sure if that's a blue steel moment for them or something, but I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it, but that doesn't matter with the Bible study. That's just an extra bonus gift for you. But what would be great for us, and this is Psalm 16.8, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. 
Because life can throw you a bunch of speed bo- fastballs and problems and tribulation. But when I live in him, if I set him before me and I'm living in him, it, it, man, he's going to be at my right hand and I won't be shaken. Those things that come my way are not going to disrupt me. You know, Paul, again, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He lived it. It's like I'm living it. He's still doing life. He's still reached out to people. He still built tents. He still did his thing. And you and I, I believe that if we have deeper living, uh, the first point for you and I is, is this, from this, we're going to have a deeper relationship. Deeper living is going to lead to a deeper relationship. If I say, hey, I want to live a little bit more in Christ. You know, I don't want to just come to church and this is where I live in him. This is it. This is all I do to abide in Christ. I, I, I hope you understand that this is not just a, Christianity is not really just for here at, at this moment. It's for you on a daily basis. Like you have a relationship with the living and powerful and majestic God. And every day you can communicate with him or you could choose not to. It's a crazy thought. You're talking about the creator of the universe. Like we have the opportunity to talk to him anytime. Any place. You could be lying in bed crying, you can talk to him. You could be driving your car and you could talk to him. You could be failing a test, you could talk to him. You know what I mean? I mean, you could literally say, and that's sorry if you're a college student, you're going, oh, bad memories. And so, uh, but you, you literally could be in the midst like, Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, that's why we do prayer because we feel like, wow, do we really take advantage of living in the, the presence of God? In a way where we say, well, God, you hear our cry, right? Your, your word says that. So we're going to trust you that you answer the cry of our heart. And that is, that is what the psalmist, he had this relationship. He lived it. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Yeah, I, I want to be like that. Paul was like that. Hey, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. John, he's basically saying, you have a deeper living. You're going to go deeper in your relationship. This is what he said. Therefore, verse 24, therefore, and every Bible student asks, what's the therefore? Therefore, and it's obviously, uh, you, you kind of look at the context before. Well, we know you're not supposed to love the world, the things in the world. And then he talks about Jesus. This is the last hour. He's coming back. The Antichrists are coming. These people that are deceivers, and they have the spirit of the Antichrist the, uh, instead of Christ. And so we don't want to be deceived into believing any of these things. So therefore, because of all these things, let that abide, there's that word abide, dwell or live in you, which you have heard or which you heard from the beginning. If, you, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, check it out, you also will abide, you're going to live in the Son and in the Father. You see, if I, if I just have the simplicity of the gospel, which is so easy, it's like, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that I'm a sinner that I'm saved not by any good deed I do. I'm not saved by anything that I say or how much I give. I'm not saved by anything. I'm saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. it. It's like, man, his grace gets poured out. Grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. In the simplicity of the gospel, it's like Jesus died for me. He died for you. And that is it. If that abides in me, and when that abides in you, remember Paul said it this way, hey, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, but I love that you confess that he's Lord. Lord means he's ruler and master. That's when you're really living in him. When you say, Lord, you take over my life. I'm going to, you know, it should never be like, no, Lord, I don't like that. It's got to be, well, Lord, what do you want? And the heart of this matter is, man, if I am at that place where 
he becomes Lord, then he's going to change everything in my life and he's going to make me new. And here he says, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Whatever that simplicity may be, the truth of God's word, his words, his promises, who he is and how he can do. If I can let that abide, live in me. If I let that live in me. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide. You're going to live in the Son and the Father. There's a deeper relationship with Jesus and the Father. Because our focus is not necessarily on everything else. But now, if I'm, if I'm really abiding in him, I'm living in him, well, it's so much different. It's not superficial. It's not a religious, superficial relationship. It's a real one. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I told you guys this before. And I was probably nine years old when I said a prayer to accept Christ. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember my, my dad was singing at some church, and I, I, I was there, and I, I said a prayer and accepted Christ. told my parents I was all fired up, and I was a Christian. Boom. But I never really got the relationship. I never really got that. I never got that there was this real relationship that went deeper than where I was at. And so when I got to college, that was different. It was like I was away from, I was away from church. You know, I didn't even go to church. I have spent four years of college and I, I probably went to church less than the years I was there. You know, it just, it wasn't in my desires. And then I got into modeling. Obviously I was discovered and then I started modeling and now I'm living in Europe and now, man, I, I mean, all I was into was the money and the women and the parties. That was it. So how does a nine-year-old accept Christ become this guy who's basically radically living like a, a heathen dog who's basically doing everything Galatians 5 says, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, because I never got the real deeper part. You see, I, I, I just got the, the religious sort of routine. I believed in Jesus, but I remember being on a shoot, and I've told you guys this story, but there was a guy there, and he's talking about new age and everything else, and he looks at me, and he, oh, you look like an old soul, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what that means, but yeah, I guess, whatever, and he goes, well, what do you believe? Well, I, I believe, uh, you know, I believe what my parents believe. I'm a Christian, you know, and I, I really, you know, one day, one day, I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll give up all this, but, uh, you know, I can't give up the party and the girls, so, you know, I can't live like them. That's what I compared my relationship. I can't live like them. And so many times we want to compare like, oh, I can't live like them. I can't live like that person, or I can't live like how they live, because I have never lived in him, and he's not really living in me. I'm not letting him live in me. Why would he want to live in me if I'm living a life that is totally abased and, and sinful and everything else? So I walked away from that. I remember thinking about like, well, that's kind of weird, but I still believe, but it's, it's not something that I'm really living. And then God obviously took me to a place of humility and totally broke me down and realized, oh yeah, I can give up all that. And that's where Jesus enters the picture where he became really real to me. And that's where I began to live in him. Yeah, it's John 14. If you turn there real quick, I want you to look at this. It's a simplistic passage, which is very important to understand for you and I, but it's a beautiful little expression of just this relationship we can have with God. In verse 19, Jesus is speaking. In John 14, he says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. You know, this great promise of Jesus when he talked to Martha at Lazarus' tomb and said, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though a man dies, if he believes in me, he's going to live. It's a great promise. 
It's a radical statement he made, but it was a wonderful promise because that's what Jesus promised because when he went to the cross and died on that cross, that promise gets fulfilled because he pays the price for your sins and mine. He rises again, and then we have that promise of resurrection as well. But then he says this, at that day, verse 20, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. There's this relationship that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, O Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Don't you love that? It's like such a simple but powerful verse. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Yeah, if anyone loves me, he's going to keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, that's what, that's what the Lord does. He takes up residence inside of you when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're born again of the Spirit. It's not a crazy thing that, you know, now you're doing all sorts of weird stuff. You are made alive in God's Spirit because before, your spirit was not alive. The natural man didn't understand the things of the Spirit for they're spiritually discerned. But all of a sudden, your spirit's made alive. Now you can read the Bible and you're going, man, this is really powerful. Before, you're going, I don't even get this Bible. I, don't even, I can't even figure this thing out. I mean, I don't know why they read this thing. It's so old school. But now, when you're born again of the Spirit... When he's made his home in you, see, that's the difference. If you haven't been born again, then it's, it's oh, I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> that's the thing we get. I don't want to be one of those born againers. I see them on TBN all the time, swinging from chandeliers and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Now, it's not, it's not that at all. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's being born again means I'm alive in the spirit. My spirit is made alive. And so here, Jesus is just saying this part of the relationship that, hey, if you love me, you're going to keep my word. There's this relationship. This obedience is natural. And my father will love him. And we're going to come to him and make our home with him. We're just going to, we're going to dwell there. We're going to rest there. We're going to live there. Because as I live in him, there's a deeper living in me. And that's where that deeper relationship happens. But it's a matter of us saying, okay, Lord, come on into the house. Because I think what we like to do, and honestly, let's, let's be honest, we may have certain rooms in your house that you like to keep closed, you know? And you may have a storage room or something in your house right now. Like if, I, if you came over to my house right now, I wouldn't let you into a certain room because it'd be, you know, I, 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 even though my wife's in heaven, she would kill me. You know? <laughs> so it'd be like, do not let them in there. You have not cleaned that. You know, it's kind of like, no, I'm not going in there. In the same way, spiritually, I think sometimes we may not let Jesus into parts of our home because you're not really letting him take residence in your home because we are really more about, I want to protect what I like. And so what God wants us to do is say, hey, I, I wanted to have that deeper living, not only in you, but I want you living in me in a deeper way so you can clear house if you need to, God. And then you go back to First John as we kind of kick through this, and he says this in First John chapter 2. Okay, so, and this is the promise, verse 25, that he has promised us, eternal life. So there's this, Deeper living leads to, hey, it's going to be a deeper relationship, but deeper living also leads to a deeper hope. Yeah, it's going to lead to this deeper hope because this is the promise. 
In the beginning, you heard this promise. And the promise that he gives you is that he has promises eternal life. And that is a crazy great promise for you and for me. You know, I, I, I love having that deeper hope. I hold on to those promises. You know, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. You know, to know that, I know that I know that one day when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I know that I know that I know when my wife's body died, when it stopped working, man, she went to heaven. Her spirit is, in, is alive. She has a whole new body, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so I believe those promises that Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life, and though a man dies, if he believes in me, he will live. You know, those are promises. That's deeper hope, man. I don't doubt that. Heaven is a part of that. And it is that, it's that hope that you get because it's a promise. You know, if your kid asks you, oh man, if you guys start talking about Disney World, right? And your kids come to you, oh man, Disney World, I love Disney World. And, uh, let's, and you make the promise. Like, hey, I'm going to promise you're going to go to Disney World on your ninth birthday. Oh man, they are going to be so stoked, right? They're going to be dreaming of Disney World. They'll probably buy pictures, put it everywhere. Meanwhile, the years to come, you're realizing the price keeps going up and you wish you would have said it was when she was five. But anyway, now it's $1,000 a day plus your kidney. And so now you get to Disney World. It is so expensive, right? And you're thinking, okay, we're going to Disney World. Okay, we're going to do it because I made a promise. And they are so super psyched. And man, there is nothing better. I love taking kids the Disney World for the first time because it's like oh this is way better than the pictures or what I've seen on TV or anything it's like oh this is the best thing ever that's I mean right now heaven is going to be blown away Okay, so now you figure, all right, they're going at, they're at Disney World and they're, they're at that place where they say, oh man, it's, I'm, I'm very fired up to go to Disney World, but at the same time, they have that promise, they have that hope in their heart and they get there. Now you and I, we have this eternal life promise. Do you understand that? <laughs> Do we get that? Seriously. Do you get that this life is but a vapor it's compared to eternity? It's here for a moment, then it's gone. And then guess what? It's eternal life. And it's in a place called heaven, which if you didn't know, go ahead and just keep your place where you're at. Revelation chapter 21 real quick. And I know you're going, oh, Revelation. I never go there because it's scary. I don't like going to Revelation. We're going to teach you Revelation and uh, you're going to love Revelation because you're blessed when you read the book of Revelation. But Revelation chapter 21 and check this out. This is a beautiful part of the description of heaven in verse 10. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Check it out. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. This city is a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. 
and he measured the city with the reed. 12,000 furlongs, that's 1,400 miles. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. Okay. Then he measured its wall, 140 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the, the sixth uh, sardius, the seventh chrysolite. You can tell I don't know my minerals. The eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chiropraise, the eleventh jackson, the, the, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls each individual gate was of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass come on now that's better than disney world i mean seriously that's like wait what what is it going to be i'm going to be walking on pure glass like gold i'm going to be walking on gold and then the city's going to be pure clear and it's like gold it's going to be awesome i mean come on when you read that do you, are you not stoked to go there it's like one of those things like, wow, that is a deeper hope that I have. Because your kid, when you, when your kid, you promise them you're going to Disney, I guarantee you they count the days. They probably have it on a counter like, hey, it's 232 and a half days left, mom. <laughs> We're so fired up to go to Disney. But for us, you see, heaven seems so far away, right? It's like, oh man, it's so far. I don't think we're ever going to get there. We might as well just, you, you know, let's just enjoy this world as much as we can. And what we don't live is we don't live in Him to, in order to live this fulfilled life with that kind of hope. Because when you have that kind of hope, man, you're going to end up changing the way you do your life. Because this world is not going to be as important as that. And when we can get that perspective, when we can flip to say, hey, is it really all about right here? Because this world's really good at letting us think that it is. But God, when you read that, all you got to do is wake up and read that every day and go, wait a second, I'm loaded. Are you kidding me? I've got streets of gold in my future. That's part of my inheritance. I am, I'm bigger than Bill Gates. I mean, I got more money than Carl Icahn. I got, I got cash. Well, you don't, but God does. But here's the idea. When I deeper have this deeper living and I'm, I'm not just... I'm living in him. I'm abiding in him. I'm dwelling there. I'm, I'm seeking him. Man, I'm going to have a deeper hope because that hope is not just this world and what kind of job I got or, man, am I going to get that job or how much money am I going to get or how, how, what's this relationship going to be or what's going to happen? I mean, all those things are great. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say, hey, get in a box and just, you know, kind of hum like until Jesus comes back. It's not that at all. But it is about making a balance in how you're going to do like, hey, I want to really I want to live for him. And if I'm going to live for him, I'm going to live in him. And that means my job, man, Lord, you've got me at this job. What do you want to do with me at this job? Where do you I'm living in you? And so how can you use me? And we, we forget that this life is but a vapor and it's here for a moment. And then poof, it's gone. And so we have this opportunity to go deeper. And finally, you go back to first John chapter 2 and he says this so we we get to verse 26 
Uh, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Obviously, there's people, false teachers coming in. But the anointing which you have received, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And again, we talked about it last week. Nobody has an extra special, like, oh, he's more special and, and, and you've got it. We have the Holy Spirit. You certainly can be empowered by God's Spirit. And that could be something that happens at a moment. And you, you, you pray for that empowerment of God's Spirit and God uses you in a powerful way. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. God gives you his Holy Spirit and it's living in you and you don't need that anyone teach you. And he's not saying that teachers are unnecessary. He's just saying, hey, you have the Holy Spirit and you could actually learn and read. And teachers, it doesn't say that they're bad. He's just saying, hey, they come along, they help you, guide you and lead you. But you have this Holy Spirit in you to help you understand things. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just that it has taught you, you will abide in him. And so the more you learn, I believe, the more you're going to go deeper with God. And you're going to want to live in him. You're going to want to grow in him. And then he says this, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, live in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Deeper living, deeper confidence. Yeah, that's what I wrote. The first one, deeper living, I'm going to have deeper relationship, deeper living, deeper hope, deeper living, deeper confidence. Because when he appears, it means he's coming for us. And so that's going to cause me to want to live right, to do right. We talked about that last week. I want to, I want to get my house right. I want to get things cleaned up. I want to make sure it's right because I got guests coming over because Jesus is coming back. And what am I going to do in my spiritual home? How am I going to change that? And I want to bear that fruit. I want to do those things because he's, hey, when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. That we're living in a way that we're honoring him, that our motives of our heart, the reason we do what we do, that we, that we outreach, that we minister, that we share. It's not because for self-glorification, but, but, but it's because, man, I want to do this because I'm living in him and it's all for his glory and it's for nobody else's. Like we don't do this church for my glory we don't do worship for Ethan or the band's glory. We do it because it's his glory. And Jesus loves each and every person here and each and every person outside and all those buildings that we would love to see come to know him in a real and powerful and personal way. And that we would live in a way that is way deeper than what we're living right now. And John, John would say, obviously, he, or he would quote Jesus as saying, you know, back in the gospel of John which you're very familiar with, which we've talked about a few times. But in John chapter 15, Jesus is telling this story, basically kind of giving an illustration that he's the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then he says this, abide in me, verse 4, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, live in me and I in you because that branch connected to the vine it can't grow fruit i'd love to have a branch in my house that grew all sorts of fruit and it was just a branch i'd love to have a you know yeah, yeah lemon tree and it'd be great to have a branch in my house and i just pick lemon oh there's a new lemon that'd be awesome that'd be great no no weeding no pruning nothing no 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 it doesn't happen because I've got to abide in the vine. And the key for us is we've got to abide in Christ. I've got to live in him. And what does that mean? Well, I mean, 
I, what is it? Living in him means I, I got to get to know him better. I'm going to want to get to know his word better because this is what he says. This is how we get to know him and his description and his character and who he is, this Bible right here. And I get to know him through worship. You know, there's something incredibly powerful about just worshiping God, putting on worship music and just saying, Lord, I just want to give you songs of praise. There's people that have written worship that I believe God has truly led them to write these songs. And when you sing them, there's something that just it connects you with God because when you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you and that's part of living in him and we have to get to that point where man that's what i want to do i want to live in him and i want to bear much fruit i want to have that deeper confidence because if he is coming back and and when is he coming back greg though we talked about it last week we really don't know but here's what i'd like to say if you did this let's do a church challenge okay church challenge here we go (laughs) is this a money challenge no no no. it's not a money challenge this is a church challenge. here we go do for the next 30 days wake up and say all right, Jesus could come back today. So how would I live differently today? Lord, if you come back at 7 p.m. tonight, what am I going to do differently? If you did, let's do that every day for 30 days. Seriously, wake up. Just say, all right, Lord, today could be the day you're coming back. I guarantee we will be different. You will hand out flyers. You will be sharing your testimony. You will be loving on people. You will be letting people merge into 95. (laughs) It'll be like, oh, yeah, no, no, please. I could be out of here tonight, so please. (laughs) But we will be showing as much love as we can, right? We will be doing. And I tell you what, what what a difference. I guarantee you, you will invite people to church. You will be saying, hey, man, I want to share this with you. And whether they come or not, it doesn't matter. What you're doing is you're saying, I am living in him because I'm going deeper. I want to live this victorious life. I want to have a win, man. I want that win to be every day, not just one day, because every day is a new day. And God wants to do a new thing in my life and in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for you and what you've done. And Lord, this word of reminding us that we want to live in you. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to not forget you're coming back. Lord, that even for the next 30 days as a church, we would actually wake up, myself included, Lord, I'm no super spiritual one either, but that I would wake up and say, Lord, you come back tonight. How am I going to live different? And I pray that for every person here. And I pray for anybody that doesn't know you here. That, Lord, today they would understand how much you love them and you care about them and you want to have this relationship. You want to come into their heart and make their home with them. So, God, I pray that you would even draw them closer to you even now. That they would come to know that this God of the universe loves them so much that he let his son die on a cross. That he died for them. He died for them so that they could be forgiven and set free. And so we thank you, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for this time as we're going to have a time of communion. We pray that you would... Bless this, Lord, as we live in you, as we learn to abide in you, Lord. There's nothing greater than taking communion and realizing, man, what have you done for us? So we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We pray that we would live it out as we leave here today. And we thank you for all that in Jesus' name.